And when I'm studying scripture and I'm laying out a plan of sorts for a series and give it a title and all that, uh, titles are not necessary, but we have a continuity with, Christ, with the, the, the church in action. And then I'm going through the book of Acts, and I don't, I don't know how long we'll do this and how, until the Lord says stop. But today we find ourselves in Acts chapter 8. And as I'm going through Acts chapter 8, and I'm going to preach the, actually the whole chapter today, but we're not going to expound on a whole lot of it because so many times you just don't have to. <laughs> it's pretty self-explanatory. But how this actually addresses where we're at as a city and a state and a nation. You know, the, the word racism is coming up a lot more today than it was even a few years ago. It just kind of comes up. You see violence in our streets and you see senseless killings and abuse and all those things. And I'm not here to say who's right and who's wrong. I, I just know that God's right. and Most of the time we're wrong. <laughs> That's why we need to stay on his side of this equation and not get caught up in the, the anger and the, pol- the political side of it and the, the ugly side of it. We're, we're, we take God's side. We, we know that he's with us, he's for us, and that he loves everyone. And I'm not offended by people that have a shirt that says Black Lives Matter because I'm not black and I haven't been through the things that they've been through, so I'm not offended by that. But at the police station, it was... Pastor Dawkins, they unveiled their shirt that all lives matter. And I know some people get offended about that, you know. Well, that's okay. We're not here to make a political statement. We're here to make a God statement of who he is in this situation. And it was another one of those weeks where I'm going, okay, God, what, what am I supposed to preach? What, how, is this supposed to, how is this supposed to look as I, as I unfold the word today? And it wasn't until just the recent events that he showed me clearly what I'm supposed to speak on. Because in this New Testament church, this infantile church, this new group of believers that had gathered in this city of Jerusalem, and man, they were they were happy there. They were comfortable there. Even though they were already being persecuted there, it wasn't to any strong degree of persecution until Stephen stood up and went to into the courts and, and told them about their history and what they had done to the Messiah and how they incited the riots began and the persecution began. And, you know, I talked about destiny earlier. I believe that that was his destiny. I believe that was Stephen's destiny. Some people, well, that's a terrible destiny. No, it's an awesome destiny. He gave his life for Jesus, for Jesus Christ, for the church of, of Christ. He, he, he laid his life on the line for the gospel so that you and I might have the gospel today. So we would say, well, his life was cut short. I think his book was completed right then when Jesus stood up. He said, your book's done, buddy. Come on home. And he showed him honor as he welcomed him into heaven, even as the apostle Paul at that time, we know him as Apostle Paul, even as Saul was a part of that mob, even he was, he was giving consent to that. In the very first verse, says Paul says Saul was consenting to Stephen's death. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles.
Did you know that sometimes we have to be forced into action? Anybody know what I'm talking about? The title of the sermon today is Crossing, Li- Crossing Lines. When we were called into the ministry, at the when I was called in ministry at 30 and told Mary Lou came home and told her, Mary, Lord's called me in the ministry, she said, well, if he'd have called you to call me, you know the story. And, and shortly thereafter, we almost divorced. And, and it took us 17 years later, like 17, 17 years before we stepped into our destiny. But even in that 17 years, God was preparing us. Okay, it wasn't wasted time. He was preparing us for where we were stepping into. But I've told people many times, when I was confronted with my true destiny, how many of you remember the story of the Alamo? It's not documented. It's kind of like, a, what do you call a legend? That Stephen F. Austin, when they were, like about, they were about the cave because of Santa Ana, he drew a line, and he supposedly drew a line in the, in the dirt or the sand in, in the Alamo, and he said, all those that are willing to die for Texas step across the line. And Jim Bowie, you know, the famous Jim Bowie, he's, he, was in a, he was already in a, a cot. He was already injured. And all of the men st- stood a, stepped across the line, and he said, pick me up and bring me across. But that, to me, that was what the Lord challenged me. He said, Harold, if you're going to do what I've called you to, if you're going to obtain, if you're going to go after your destiny, he said, I've got a line here. Are you willing to cross it and, and say no to your past and yes to the future that I have for you? There, there's a scripture in the Bible. It's in Luke 9, 62. And this man comes up to Jesus and said, I want to follow you. I really want to follow you. And he said, and, and, but he made excuses of some things that he needed to do before he followed Jesus. And Jesus said this, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, if you really go and study that, the word fit means that you, you, you're, not, you're not a good fit. You're, you're not in the proper place where you need to be in the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean you're going to lose your salvation. A lot of people say, well, that means you can't be in the kingdom. See, there are a lot of people in the kingdom of God that haven't found their place yet. They have not fit in where they're supposed to be yet. And so a farmer, he's using a term here. If you put your hand to the plow and they were behind, a, 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 I guess, ox, oxen, and they were plowing a field, what happens if you're always looking behind you and you're, and you're plowing? Your roads are going to be like this. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. It's not going to be the way you're, you want it to be. And so he's saying if you're always looking back, he said, then you really can't move forward. So if you're willing to cross the line that God has drawn in the sand, so to speak, and you're going to follow him, you're going to give everything to him. You're going to give your, you're abandoning yourself, so to speak, and you're going after him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your mind, your strength. Then you're going to be going forward, not going backward. And you're going to be going in the book that's written for you is going to, the pages are going to start. You're going to start filling in the pages of the life that God has designed for you. And I believe this is what the, he's showing us in, the, in this, even by Stephen's death, that he was fulfilling the prophetic, what, what his calling is, was on his life. And it says they were all scattered. Verse, verse 1 says they were all scattered throughout the regions. Listen, remember Jesus said you're going to go where? To Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the earth or the world. Guess where the first place they went from besides Jerusalem? It was Samaria. And it says they were scattered. That word scattered is an interesting word. They, they were diversified. They were sowing. 
It's the same word that a farmer would use for scattering seeds, for sowing seeds. So they weren't just, it wasn't just a happenstance, oh, they're scattered, like some of us when we get scattered. It was, there was purpose in the scattering. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And they had to have a home base. I'm not saying they were afraid to go, but they had to have a home base. They had to have a place where they knew where they could go, where the rest of the people could go. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church. We're going to talk about Saul next week, so we're not going to dwell there. Entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. And many of those were killed. You know that, don't you? And therefore, those who were scattered, there's that word scattered again, went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame and were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Now, number one, I want you to know that crossing lines brings great joy. Crossing lines brings great joy. There was great joy because Philip was willing, when he was scattered, to go into the will of God. Isn't that interesting? That when he went, when he was obedient, he went to a place where he, as a Jew, was hated. He crossed the line. Some of us, we're not willing to cross lines because we're, we're afraid. Of, we're, there's a fear in our hearts of, of trying to reach to somebody that doesn't look like us, taste like us, feel like us, smell like us, and, you know, drive the same kind of cars. It, we, we're, we're afraid to get involved with people that are different than us. I'm so glad that the Bible teaches that we go to everybody. Now, listen, here's something interesting. Stephen was one of the original seven that was chosen to do what? Serve. Say serve. Come on. Y'all with me this morning? They were called to serve. Guess who Philip was? He was one of those guys. He was another one that had a servant's heart, and he was called out, and he went, and man, he was was on fire for the Lord. And he he had already served widows, but now God had a different. He says, listen, you are faithful in that. I've got something more for you. You're going to evangelize Samaria. See, Jesus had already set it up when he spoke to the woman at the well. Remember her? She was a Samaritan. Listen, Jesus crossed the line big time. Not only did he speak to a Samaritan, he spoke to a woman. He was crossing lines. Everywhere Jesus went, he crossed lines. There were no barriers. He, he, he's just going to cross them. And he, he, he already set the stage because when she went back, she told the people in the village, they came, Jesus preached to them, and many of them were saved. So there was some groundwork that had already been set. Philip operated. He just walked out in simple obedience. And listen, I want you to know when you do what God's called you to do, there will be great joy follows. Because when you go to a place that you think you're crossing a line into, you go to a place you might even be a little bit fearful to go. I want to tell you what you take to you, with you when you go into that place. You take love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You take those into that situation. You take them into that circumstance. You take them into that atmosphere. Because Holy Spirit is within you. Amen? Amen. And that's the fruit of the Spirit of God. The love that is filling you, you take it in. I love it because 
It says against such there is no law. Against, against the, the fruit of the Spirit. Listen, there's no law against loving. There's no law against self-control or gentleness. There's no law against those things. And he says, if we live by the, in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Listen, if you're carrying the presence of God, those things won't happen. There won't be envy. We will walk in humility. We will not provoke one another into anger. And that's a lot of what's happening in our country. There's a lot of provoking going on. There's a lot of anger rising up. And you might be that very person on the job site that you're the one that's going to bring peace into the storm. You're going to walk in. There might be some discussion going on. You might be that very one that brings the calmness and the presence of Christ into that atmosphere. I don't know if you know it, but we're in a volatile place right now in our country. I just happen to believe God's bigger. And the church is, the church is waking up. The second thing I want you to see is crossing lines will change your practices. Verse 9, but there was a certain man named called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great and to whom they had all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished him with his sorceries for a long time. You don't think that's going on today? It's going on today. There are people just like that doing the same things that he was doing. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Now, here's the thing. When you come to Jesus Christ, the, the practices that you were of your former life should have changed. <laughs> Did y'all hear that? When you come to Jesus Christ and you sell out to him, your old life is buried. You are a new creation in Christ. Things should change in your life. Okay. Wake up. Because it says Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city, he was no longer practicing sorcery. I love that. His livelihood was pretty much gone. He didn't care. Look throughout the Bible and see when God came into somebody's life, how the things that they did that they thought were important were no longer important. Peter was not fishing anymore. Paul wasn't hanging out with the Pharisees anymore. Now, this is a controversial scripture to a lot of people, but I want to read it. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. You know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do, you, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. This won't happen. And such were, were, were some of you. In other words, things that you are doing that you are in a rebellion to God, and there are a lot of things listed here, not just a couple, that were in a direct opposition, direct rebellion to the word of God and to his, his decrees and his commandments. It, the very things that, that are against God, if you, he said, listen, when Christ comes in, those are the things that are your past. They're not, they're not who you are anymore. And he says, and such were some of you, but you were washed. Say, I'm washed. You were sanctified. Say, I'm sanctified. That means you're set apart. 
but you were justified. Listen, just as if you have never sinned. Amen. I'm justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Listen, God's grace is greater than all of our sin. Hallelujah. Crossing the line and surrendering to Christ will change your practices. Some of you might have had to change jobs when you gave your life to Christ. Had to give up some things that you thought were important that were not important anymore. And I'm not saying everybody, once you give your life to Christ, that all those things go away. I'm saying it's a process for many people. But I want to tell you this. God is faithful and he will show you those things you need to let go of. He will show you those things that are not good practices. And if you're still practicing them, you need to repent. Some of you, listen, some, some of you, you just know, man. man. Jesus comes in and, you know, man, I can't do that anymore. I'm not going to tell you what the I can is because there's a lot of them. I can't do that anymore. And it's just simple obedience. You say, I'm not going to do that anymore. And God says, okay, God bless you. I'll be, I'm for you. I'm not against you. But for some people, it's, it's a struggle. Man, it's demonic. There's a stronghold. And you need deliverance. You need inner healing, whatever you want to call it. You need to go to the court of heaven. You need, you need to be set free from whatever the bondage is. But listen, it's going to be up to you to go after that. People say, well, I, I sure wish those so-and-so could get free of such and such. Well, does old so-and-so want to be free of such and such? Because <laughs> if old so-and-so doesn't want to be free of such and such, we can't help him much. Hey, that rhyme. Number three, crossing lines will bring us into a deeper walk. No, it did me anyway. Verse 14, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, and they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, for a lot of people, they go, well, I don't believe in the subsequent baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe it happens all at one time. This is a perfect teaching that shows you that you can be saved and have the indwelling Holy Spirit and then have a subsequent baptism of the Holy Spirit. Y'all see that? It's the same when Jesus breathed on the, on the disciples, said, receive you the Holy Spirit. And then he said, go wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. I believe that every person that gives their life to Christ, the indwelling spirit of God comes in as a, a deposit. You're sealed until the day of redemption. But for the, for the, for if you're going to move forward in your faith, there's another step. I believe that there's, it was for me that I had to come. That was the crossing, one of the cross, big lines I crossed. It was going from a thought process that I, it's already all happened. I've got everything I need. And God said, no, you don't have everything you need for what I've got for you to do. You need to surrender it all. And, and I don't care what you call it. If you want to call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you want to call it the deeper walk or uh, uh, the second work of grace, I don't know. It doesn't matter about the title. I'm just saying you need, if, if, there's, if, you're walking in, if you're walking in weakness, if you're walking in the same old patterns and the same things keep happening in your life, if you're, if you're not being able to affect the, the, uh, the world for the kingdom of God, then, then you probably need to go, well, God, is there more? Because if there's more, I want it. Because that's really all he wants us to want is what he wants us to want does that make sense no fourth thing no third thing 
Man, I put two fours in here. Isn't that great? I hope you didn't do that too, Richard. Yes, you two. Maybe I had five points today. Verse 18. Our crossing lines many times leads us into much repentance. Really, actually, all the time it does. Verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone whom I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this sounds like a weird thing, doesn't it? But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you. In other words, he's basically, if you see other translations, he said, Man, you're, you go to hell. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. And then he says, you have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this, your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps he, the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you're poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. We'll come back to that. Then Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. So when they had t- testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of Samaritans. Now, a lot of commentators say they don't believe that, that uh, Simon was saved. Okay, because of what he said, I want to buy the Holy Spirit. I believe he was saved. I believe he, this was one, one baby, baby, baby Christian. I believe he had no clue what was about to come next. He was a baby Christian. He had been dabbling. He had been giving up to full-time soul to soul to Satan, so to speak. He was a sorcerer. He was doing magic in the name of, of, of Baal or some other god. Okay? But it says, listen, it says, then Simon, verse 13, then Simon himself also believed and he was baptized. I believe that he believed, I believe he came to Jesus. But he didn't know what was next. And sometimes I think Peter was a little tough on people. It's almost like, can we get the big guns down from Jerusalem? <laughs> we, need, we need the big boys. I don't know why Philip didn't, they weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't know why Philip didn't pray for them. But he didn't. Maybe God was trying to show us something here. But he did say this, man, you need to repent. You can't buy the Holy Spirit. How many of you have tried to do things that you thought, you, you, how many of you ever tried to do something in your flesh? In the name of Jesus, right? Well, that's what he's doing here. He's, he, he said, man, this looks exciting. I want to get in on this deal. What does it cost? You know, Peter could have said, listen, it just cost you your life. You just need to lay it down because you still, your mind's still not totally turned in the right direction. Well, sometimes our minds are not totally turned in the right direction, too. How many of you struggle? How many of you have had to repent since you became a Christian? <laughs> okay. How many of you have had to repent yesterday? Come on. Man, if you're crossing the line, you're following Christ, he is going to be talking to you all the time. Uh-uh, uh-uh. No, 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 no. That's who you used to be. And it doesn't have to be some blatant sin. It can just be something as simple as, I told you to go speak to her. Sorry, Lord. I missed, a po- I, I missed an appointment. It can be that simple, church. And, and what even... Even more so, listen, it says, for I see, Peter said this about it, for I see that you're poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. He was looking at root issues in his life, Blinda. He said, I see, I, see, he was given, this was a word of knowledge. This was, he was seeing in the spirit what this man was corrupted with from his past. Bitterness, poison, 
Iniquity. You're bound by iniquity. And again, I, I see a baby Christian going, would you just, would you pray for me? I've had people ask me all the time to pray for them. You know, oh, no, you pray for yourself. No, we, I'll pray for you. We have ministry team. You come up. What do you do? You say, would you pray for me? And it, it doesn't go on to say anything else here, but I assume that Simon got prayer and got some freedom and followed. And the last thing is crossing lines results in the kingdom advancing. How are we doing on time? Good. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and he went, and behold, I love it when it just says, so he arose and went. Don't you love that, Ray? He didn't say, and Philip said, no, Lord. <laughs> I've been in Samaria. I'm kind of getting a foothold here. I'm getting comfortable here. Now he said, and he rose and he just went. And then behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury. And this dude was important. All of her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then spirit, the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. Has the Lord ever told you something like that? Huh? Maybe not a chariot. So Philip ran to him and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? And that's a pretty bold statement. Hey, dummy, <laughs> you know what you're reading in there? This is, a, this is an important guy. You understand what you're reading? And he said, how can, I, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. How many of you have ever been invited? Once you made an introduction and you're there in, in God, the Holy Spirit has unctioned you and you've responded. How many of you know many times that the Holy Spirit's already prepared that other person for that encounter? So he invited him to come up and sit in his chariot. And the place in the scripture which he read was this. Amazing that he was here in the scripture. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this of himself? Or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture preached Jesus to him. I love that. He just preached Jesus to him. He preached the good news to him. He didn't preach to the man that all the things that he had done wrong in his life, the bad decisions he's made. He just said, you, just, you want to know about Jesus? Let me tell you about him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And here's that famous saying. The eunuch said, see? Here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Now, you know, Scripture, not everything is in, in the Bible, because like, like we have read in John, that all the books of the world couldn't contain everything that took place. So, you know, there was a conversation there after he said that, and he led him to Jesus. He prayed, and he received Christ, and he said yes, and he repented, and all those things, because that's what Philip would have taught him. And they're just going along. They're just like going along down by the river down here. And just, hey, there's some water. It, can you baptize me here? Some people wait for years to get baptized. Scripture never shows that. 
ever. Never shows delay. And then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now, <laughs> this is cool. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. So that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip, well, he was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. I just, I just see that. Can y'all just see that? <laughs> and then Philip goes, hey, where am I? Hey, where am I? Azotus? Well, that's, how'd I get here? I don't know, sir. You just showed up. <laughs> Think about it. We're in the midst of all this ugliness in our nation. God puts me in Acts chapter 8, where this man, Philip, is persecuted, pushed out of the nest. You know, you ever heard the story of eagles, how they learn how to fly? You ever seen the video? The only way they fly is when the mommy eagle says, it's time to fly. <laughs> Kicks them out of the nest. And you see they're like way up in cliffs, and there's nothing down below but air. So the little baby eagle has to go, well, I better figure out this thing real quick. <laughs> right? Crossing lines. So God has us in Acts chapter 8, and we see Philip kicked out of Jerusalem, and he's going into uncharted waters into Samaria to people of a different race. Actually, people that hated them. And he preaches the good news and there's joy comes into the city, into the nation. And then I think it's funny that as we we're talking about all the things and the things that are going on in our country and how it's a lot of demonic things. I mean, I believe I believe the man that shot the policeman in Dallas. I, I believe, man, he had to be filled up with demons. He just did. I just wonder who, who had an opportunity to encounter him in his lifetime that would, could have talked to him and told him about Jesus Christ. Think about that. And Philip goes in and encounters the demonic in Simon the sorcerer. He says, get out of him, demon. Sets him free. Crossing lines. And then finally, I thought it's so ironic that the next thing we see Philip doing is going up to a black man. See, the Ethiopian eunuch was black. Church history tells us some things about him. That he had a name. His name was Simeon Bacos, the eunuch. Simeon was sent into the regions of Ethiopia to preach what he had himself believed that there was one God preached by the prophets, but that that son of his, the son of God, had already made his appearance in human flesh and had been led as a sheep to the slaughter and all the other statements which the prophets made regarding him. Philip was willing to cross a line and say, that chariot, Lord, with that black man in it, he looks pretty important. I've heard he's very important. I heard he has a lot. He controls the, the treasury of Ethiopia. 
He works for the queen. You sure, Lord, that that's the line you want me to cross? You hear what I'm saying, church? There are lines that some of you are not willing to cross, but today you're going to say, yes, by the power and the grace of Jesus Christ, I'll cross those lines. Where you have harbored uh, anger, where you have harbored ill feelings towards somebody of another race or a color, other religion, other social economic status. See, some people, are they, they're afraid to approach rich people. They, they've got something against rich people. They need Jesus. But what I want you to see is that when, when we are willing to cross these lines, and we do it in, in the greatest of love, we do it being led by the Spirit of God. We just don't do it to do it. We do it with divine intervention and divine appointments. When we do these things, when we cross these lines, the kingdom of God advances. I just said the kingdom of God advances. When we're willing to step up and cross the lines that other people say, no, don't talk to them. Don't speak to them. Don't love them. Set them apart. Crossing lines requires extreme faith wrapped in extreme love. It requires extreme trust. It requires wisdom in knowing what lines to cross and when to cross them. In every instance in Philip's life, he was led by the Spirit of God to go and do exactly what he did. Would you stand? Can I have the ministry team here this morning? I was raised in a very non-prejudicial home. I'm so thankful for that. Schools were already integrated when I was in, in elementary school. A lot of people before me, like my sisters, older sisters, not so. I was brought up with Mexicans and black, African Americans. I was brought up with, well, there weren't any rich kids at Reagan Elementary, so I just pushed that away. So my breath, I, I, I didn't know color. I just thought we were all the same. I thought, even when people would bring up the issue of prejudice, I'd think, why are you mad at somebody because they are this color or that color when they had no choice in how they were born, into what family they were born? You know? I, I just did my parents. I never heard my parents disparaging people of other races. It just wasn't in my family life. The N-word, I never heard my parents say the N-word. It just was... It just wasn't a part of our, our vocabulary, and I'm grateful for that. But not everybody had that upbringing. And some of you, you, you were taught to hate this group or hate that group or be ugly. And if that was you, and you, I'm, many of you, I'm sure you've already repented of that, and you've asked God to heal that and be, be able that, you're, that you could reach out and love everyone because if Jesus lives in you guys, he loved everybody. He didn't single some, some of us out. He say, I really love Harold a lot more than I love Matt. <laughs> uh-uh. He loves us all the same. He's no respecter of persons. And I don't care what, maybe you had a bad encounter with, with a, a, another race. And man, you've, you've, that, has, that bitterness or that poison came in and you've never dealt with it. I want to ask today, then as you bow your heads, we're going to deal with some things. I believe if we're going to be one in, this, in unity, 
We've got to deal with some things. So bow your heads, close your eyes. This is very serious. And maybe you think, well, I've already dealt with it. Maybe you have. I pray to God that you have. But if, if you've been hurt or wounded in the past, maybe through your parents or through, through uh, situations in your past by someone of a different race, and man, that, that, that poison got in and it's still there and affects your life, it affects your prayer life, and you really want to move forward, I just want you, whoever that, that person or persons is in your heart right now, that you would just forgive them for hurting you are wounding you. Forgive your parents if they taught you wrong. Just forgive them right now. Maybe somebody that bullied you in school when you were a kid and you're 60 years old and you're still having a hard time dealing with that. Just forgive them. There's so, so much power in forgiveness. But if you're, if you're struggling in any way with with prejudice this morning. I'm going to ask you to be bold and step out and let us pray for you. Step out right now while your eyes are closed. Everybody's eyes are closed. If, you're, if, you, if prejudice is a real problem with you, if you see somebody of a different color walking down the street, do you go across the street to avoid them? Or do you catch yourself making, telling the jokes? Listen, if, you, if you're a joke teller about people like that, you need to repent. Grieves the Holy Spirit when we make fun of our brothers and sisters. Put them down. If there's anybody, we want to pray for you this morning. Anybody? I, I know this is asking a lot for somebody to step out. And you're angry at men. You're a woman, you're an angry at men. Or you're a man, you're angry at women. It could be so many things. We want to pray for you this morning. Maybe you're just angry. If your heart has got, if you're just full of anger this morning, we want to pray for you. Man, anger is a poison. You know what the end result of anger is? When it's taken to its completion is murder. And I remember reading what that young man in Dallas said. He was so angry, so angry. And ended up in murder. That wasn't his destiny. It wasn't his destiny. And some of you are not living your destiny because you're harboring anger and bitterness in your heart this morning. And you think, why can't I move forward? Because that's the reason. I want you to step out and come. Let us pray for you. Be honest this morning. Step out and come. We want to pray for you. Amen. You can't get healed unless you're willing to admit that you got the problem really get healed. You can't get help. Unless you're willing to step into that and say, look, I've got an issue here. I, I really need prayer. I really need prayer. My, my heart's desire is for you to live out the destiny that God has mapped out for you. That's the heart of, that's the heart of Jesus. That he wants you to live out the fullness of the destiny the book that he has written for you and about you.
Anybody else? We've got people that can pray with you. We've got prayer team over here. I'm going to pray for you. Let's just take care of this today. Let's begin to see people the way Jesus sees. And then, you know, that's a great prayer. That, that's one of my prayers. Jesus, I want to see people the way you see them. I want to have the eyes of Christ. You know, the eyes of Christ, that, it's one of, the, one of the scriptures says that we are seated in heavenly places with him. And I used to wonder, what, what does that scripture really mean? And what, I know there's different takes on it, but my first take on it when I really asked the Lord was, I want to just see from my perspective. I want you to quit seeing from earth's perspective and the world's perspective, Harold. I want, you to, I want you to see from my perspective what I see out there. Because I see a world that's hurting and that needs Jesus. Linda said what I explain what an iniquity is and normally iniquity is a, is a bend in the bloodline it comes from way back generations before and there is a tendency to toward a certain sin when there's a bend there's a weakness there like if you take a coat hanger and bend it enough times it gets really weak in that place and the enemy wants that that iniquity to stay in your bloodline he doesn't want it to be dealt with that's why when you go to the doctor, they'll ask you your family history. Because there's, they'll find a bend. Oh, diabetes, that's in your family. There's a bend there. Alcoholism, there's a bend there. But it covers so many other things. Anger, jealousy, wrath. All these things come into that category of iniquity. Anybody else need prayer this morning? If not, we're just going to sit you down. Yeah, go ahead and be seated. You know, you know what I, I believe about this body of believers? 